Hallelujah. Are you blessed? Oh, aren't you glad you're saved? Mm. Aren't you glad for those who paid a price to be able to minister to you? Amen. And keep you. Touch you. Hallelujah. Well, I wasn't going to be continuing this, this uh, message, but as you can tell in your bulletin, the Lord dealt with me. He put on my heart to play that song, and I never really realized the words, I'm a changed life. And so I saw that, and then I got this wall, uh, this wallpaper on the computer from uh, Lou Engel, and it says, can a nation be changed in one day? And there was the second changed just in a matter of a few minutes. And then I got a third changed. I don't remember right now to come back to me about what I'm supposed to be, where I, where I got the third word changed. But I said, okay, Lord. And so he gave me this message today. And I just want to finish it up today. Next week's going to be Mother's Day. And, uh, you know, can a nation be changed in one day? Last Sunday, I shared with you some scriptures that it's can. And then tonight I'm going to be teaching about Jesus doesn't get nervous over politics. So I want you to come as we get in the Word and we'll have our preach to you tonight. But I want to thank God for what He's doing and that how many of you, how many can say, my life has been changed? Raise your hand. My life has been changed. Okay. And I wanted to share this with you. Just like your life has been changed, your circumstances can change too. And your circumstances are getting ready to change. You know why? Because you are getting ready to change. You have been in a process, and we're going to be speaking about it. You have been in the process of change. And you know, so many times, so many people say, you know, I just wish my wife would change. I just wish my husband would change. I wish he or she or they would change. You know, some people say that. And what you're doing, really, is you're saying, I wish I could fix them. You're saying, I want to change him or change her how I want they to be. In other words, you're saying, I want to fix them. I want to fix her. Well, let me ask you a question. Does God nag you? I want him to change now or I'm going to leave him. I want her to change now or I'm out of here. And just, I'm going to fix I'm going to fix him. Change is a process. And listen, I don't know about you. But I, God has never nagged me. He's spoken to me. He's convicted me. But He's just never nagged on me in the areas I need to change. He's been so patient and so kind for me to go through the process of the change I need for my life. And so sometimes we want things to change in our life, but the question is, are we willing to change so that things can change? Amen, church. Amen. You know, we've been, you know, we really like uh, superhero movies, and you know, you remember the Spider-Man 3 had the Sandman, and I started thinking about the Sandman, and the Bible talks about he who built his house upon the sand. The Sandman, he was changing personalities, and he never had anything solid in his life. And I was thinking about the Sandman, then I started thinking about the Fantastic Four, the Rock Man. And I should rather be the Rock Man than the Sandman. And I'm the Rock Man when I'm steady and I keep on in the process. 
And I'm under the influence of the Spirit. And I'm allowing God to do His work in me. God is doing something to change me and make me better. But I've got to yield to that process, just like you can see in your bulletin. I've got some special notes there for you. But I've got to yield that process for God to complete that which He started in me. I wanted to share a thing with you. Lou Engel wrote this. This was the third reason I knew I was supposed to talk about change. Lou Engel said in Las Vegas, I believe that there is no safe place for the devil. <laughs> there is no safe place for the devil. I like that. While people are talking about how bad things are and this and that and the other, what's going to happen in the future, this and that and the other, do you realize there is 150 universities where there is seven a day, 24-hour prayer going forward? Do you realize they just had... Uh, Hundreds of thousands of people in Nashville for the call uh, for last July. And then there was over, I forgot how many thousands in Las Vegas. And this August, they're going to be in Washington, D.C., uh, right in front of the Washington Memorial on the mall there. And they're going to be praying. But, but do you realize, listen to this. Next Sunday, the call is going to be in the auditorium in Jerusalem. They're going to be having another 12 Hours of prayer and intercession and travail in Jerusalem on Mother's Day. Next Sunday is the 60th anniversary of Israel. And they are going to pray and worship and prophesy there in Jerusalem. So next Sunday night, I'm going to see if we can't show some of it on the overhead and watch it live from Jerusalem right here in Pineville so that we can pray for the peace and the glory of God in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise. Let's give the Lord praise. I mean... Have you ever heard of something like this happening in the past to this degree? Praying in Jerusalem, then they're going to France. And they're going to pray au révolution. And tell them on the walls in France. Then they're going to Brazil. And then they're going to all these different places, Indonesia and all these different places, to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. So that's why he's saying, I believe there's no safe place for the devil. We're believing for miracles and a prayer movement that will erupt this city and continent. Erupt it from darkness. That's our dream and that's why we come. I want to pray for my city. This is my home. And I want to see something. Listen to this. I want to see something change. Somebody shout out, change. change. Now, I've been sharing with you for a few weeks now. And I shared with you that, you know, the devil did not like it when they put the Bible in the 1600s, the King James Bible. They didn't think common man should have the Bible. The church fought against hymns. Now the church fights about getting hymns out. I mean, there has just been all kind of fight. But let me tell you, the worst thing of all, the devil hates change. The, the curse changed. His rule and control over you changed. Your destiny going to hell changed. And so he cannot stand change, so he will fight change every way he can. He doesn't want to see you change from a drunkard, from impurity to pureness. He doesn't want to see you change from drugs to addicted on Jesus. He doesn't want to see you change from not loving your wife or not loving your children or not living for the Lord. He doesn't want to see these type of change. He hates change, but guess what? He's going to see a lot of change in these end times because there are people, there are young people and older people, there are all ages getting together because they want to see a change in this hour. I mean, it is a matter if we have to die for the cause, 
will die for the cause, but God is going to move on this earth and He is going to be glorified. God is raising up workers. He's raising up leaders. He's raising up all age groups to stand up and be strong in this hour and stand against the devil and make the devil scared. Amen. Listen to this. I found this thing right here. Have you ever been to Billy Graham or somebody else's crusade? Who's ever been to a crusade? Our, our country was dead in 1820s. And in 1825, an evangelist started evangelistic sermons, and the church, the church started protesting evangelistic sermons. Not only did the church members object to invitations, but so did many ministers. But a new evangelist called Charles Finney had come on the scene in America and became quite popular in 1825. He was reaching many Americans with the gospel, but grumbling critics were calling him new measures. Among those intolerable changes were praying for people, having an invitation after the sermon, and sharing the gospel by visiting homes, and allowing women to pray and testify. Holding services on days that was not usual for worship. And preaching in a manner that appealed to those who attended his revival meetings. Finney was perceived as a radical troublemaker. But, I love this, but his wrong approach brought many to Christ. Change is usually threatening. Yet its results can be tremendous. There's so many things about change that are threatening. But the results can be tremendous. And the problem is, many times when we don't see the results ahead of time, we don't want to go into the change. But God is wanting to work the change into our lives so we can be blessed and go to the next level. Because listen, you are going forward. You are not regressing in Jesus' name. Amen? John F. Kennedy said, Change is the law of life. And those who look only to the past or the present are certain to miss the future. I have a book on media that says, Yesterday's ideas won't solve today's challenges. Get ready for God to be speaking and working and acting in new ways. How many have been watching the revival in Florida? How many of you have been seeing the people get saved? It's been on the internet and God TV. People have been saved and healed and now they've gone into the audiences and they're having mass moves of the Holy Spirit and people are getting healed in their seats and miracles are happening. Guess what? The preacher, Brother Tony, he's got tattoos from here down. He wears a short sleeve shirt and he's got two tattoos all over. He's got a ring here. He's got earring here. He's got ring on all the fingers. He's got tattoos on his hands. Uh, he, he's a little chunky and he wears jeans. And he wears his shirt in his pants, and or out of his pants. And the worship leader has long hair. Looks like he hasn't washed his hair in two months. I mean, you look at him, and you see this one guy who's helping this little boy walk who couldn't walk before, had a mohawk. Who wants to have church like that? A mohawk. He must have a devil. I don't get around them people. Them people scare me. Well, guess what? They're scaring devils, too. They're scaring devils, too. God is getting ready to get that mold of the 
pretty rich look, He's going to rip it open. And He's going to use you. You say, I'm not decent enough. I'm not good looking enough. I can't sing good enough. God can take a crow and make it sing opera. He can take a mule and make it prophesy. He's going to take those who are not interested in high class and who are willing to speak the word of the Lord in the time that's needed and not worry about public opinion because it's time for the Finneys to get up again and not worry about what people have to say, but start speaking the word of the Lord. It's about people getting healed, delivered, saved, on fire for God and not building a name for themselves, not building a kingdom for themselves. Not having to have their name all over the place. That sign will never have the name of a man on it. That sign is for Jesus to be exalted. This building will not have the name of a man on it because this is the house of the Lord. It's not the time. About getting famous. It's the time about seeing the captive set free and, and releasing the word of the Lord. It's time for change. It's time for, ch- it's time for a change on TV. Don't you like Ken Clement? Most churches wouldn't have him. His hair's long. He's got an accent. And he wears t-shirts when he preach. Well, when I lose my gut, I'm going to wear t-shirts too. One week I wear a tie, one week I don't. Because I'm getting out of it. I just like to see how many responses I get. Change. Change. Why the change? Because God has a future for you. And we can't have no future if we just keep living in the present. But let me say something about change. No pain, no gain. No gain, no change. And I want to read to you. I'll just read to you. I'll have you look up something in a minute. But just look at this. Luke chapter 13, verse 23 through 35 in the Amplified Bible. And someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved, rescued, delivered from the penalties of the last judgment, and made partakers of the salvation of Christ? Did you notice they asked the Lord? They didn't ask Oprah. (laughs) Oprah says... Everybody, no matter who they pray to, can go to heaven. Oprah says, it's just a matter of believing in God. Well, I read in the book of James, for all you Oprah lovers, I read in the book of James that even the devils believe in God. But the devils do better than most church members. The devil believe in God and tremble and shake. We just cold and want to do this and want to do that. It says the devils believe in God, Oprah, and tremble and shake. And the reason they tremble and shake is because they saw his death and they saw his burial. Woo! Someone come and help me now. And they saw his resurrection. It wasn't just the apostles. It wasn't just the apostles who were testimonies and testified of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ.
resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah! It was about the resurrection, the death, and the burial. And they said, I saw something. And I don't know why the devils can get more excited and nervous around God than the church can. Jesus would walk into a town and the demons, ah, what do you have to do with us already? And we go to church, I believe Jesus is Lord. All you got to do is believe in God. The devils believe. Oh, God, what do I know about God? They believe in God more than the church does. Well, they saw, oh, haven't you seen? We've all seen. People have testified just in this church. Things you read and see. Things that are happening. Tell you what, your testimony of the burial and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. Jesus said to them, did I drop something? Oh, yeah, you still hear me. Jesus said to them, listen to this word, strive. Everybody say that with me, strive. Strive to enter in by the narrow door. The Amplified Bible says, force yourself through it. For many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house gets up and closes the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door again and again and again saying, Lord, open to us. He will answer you. I do not know where or what household, certainly not mine, you come from to strive to enter in. James 2.19. I'm sorry. Matthew 7.13. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and spacious and broad is the way that leads away to destruction. And many are those who are entering through it. But the gate is narrow, contracted by pressure. And the way is strained and compressed that leads away to life. And few are they that find it. The word narrow means difficult and confined. Say that with me. Difficult and confined. The word compressed means to force, to drive, to urge, to advance forcibly by change. You get into the kingdom of God by forcibly advancing by change. Oh, they told me that if I get saved, it's just going to be... I mean, everybody went around singing, it's a bed full of roses. Rose-colored glasses. Everybody, oh, you know, you come to Jesus, man, it's just going to change. It's all going to be good. Yeah, it's awesome. I totally love Jesus. But I don't like my freedom being taken away. I don't like to be told, well, that's not your lifestyle anymore. That's not the way you're supposed to live anymore. The way to the heaven, the way into the Lord's gates. There's going to be pressure and there's going to be pain and there's going to be changes. But how many you know that forms character? You can just write this down. Acts 14.22. Acts 14.22 says, Through trials and tribulations and pressure, we enter into the kingdom of God. 
Oh, I don't want no trial. I don't want no tribulation. Those things help change us to be who we need to be to stand before God the way we want to stand before Him and answer for the things we want to answer for and not answer for the things we don't want to answer for. Change. Amen? Building character. Building the real stuff. The Lord spoke to this to me. I thought it was so cool. He said, you know, Sarah turned back, looked backwards and turned into a pillar of salt. No. Lot's wife. Yeah, not Sarah. Oh, God. No, God didn't tell me Sarah did that. No. Lot's wife turned back and turned into a pillar of salt because she didn't want to change. But we look back and see our past and go, wow, how I've changed. We look back not wanting to go back. She looked back wanting to go back. She looked back not wanting to change into the future. We look back saying, thank God I've changed. Thank God that's not me anymore. Thank God that's not, I'm not like that no more. Thank God I don't go those places anymore. You know, I'll tell you an answer right now. Some people say, what, pastor? Why do I keep marrying the same type of man? Well, you better change who you're affiliating with. Why do I keep getting in trouble? Why do I keep getting arrested? Why do I keep getting DWIs? Why do I keep this and that and the other? You may need to change your buddies. Listen, even in church, I've lost a lot of buddies. Even last year, I lost one buddy. And because that one buddy, I lost a lot of buddies. Because I changed. I ain't going there no more. Not that I was going anywhere, just... I can't go into detail, but anyway, because he was in leadership here. But anyway, change. Everybody called me a dog and called me this and that. But I said, I'm going to serve the Lord, buddy or nobody. And you wonder, why am I going through what I'm going through? Maybe you need a change. Why am I feeling depressed? Maybe you need to change your TV shows from As the World Turns. To Sky Angel or Daystar. Maybe you need a change. Maybe you're visiting today and you say, I've never been in a church like this before. Maybe you need a change. I, I don't know why. I don't know why my husband don't hold my hand and put his arm around me anymore. Maybe you need a change. You know, he just likes to stay up late and watch TV. And I go to bed all by myself. Maybe you need a change. I mean, if he'd rather watch Gunsmoke than go to, go to bed with you, you definitely need a change. Oh, man, I am running out of time. Let me hurry and tell you this. God loves the new. Listen. In Ezekiel 36, 26, he says, I'll give you a new heart. Ezekiel 18, 31, I'll give you a new spirit. In Psalms 40, verse 3, I'll give you a new song. Revelation 2, 17, I'll give you a new name. Ephesians 4, 26, I'll give you a new self. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I'll make you a new creation. And Revelation 21, 5, look what it says. Behold, I make all things new. Guess what the word new there is? Different. And changed. New. Different. And changed. 
How many know the people in Exodus, the people in the Old Testament, the law, they knew what to do? But they didn't have the power to do it. So he says, I'm going to put some things new inside of you, so you better do, since it'll be on the inside, you better do what I've asked you to do on the outside. Amen. So we see all these things, and I'm going to skip all this because it's getting late. Brother, go ahead and put up that picture. Now, you don't know who this is, some of you. But we have a, a, a girl, Cody's friend, who came to the house and was uh, painting. And we asked her to do this portrait. Another day I was on the couch and the Lord says, go get that painting and I'm going to tell you something to tell the people. So, who knows who that is? Show the next picture. That's my middle boy, Brandon. Go ahead and put the next one up. Now look. The top picture, the painting, it's not finished. But when his mother and I saw it, she went, oh. And I went, wow. Even though it wasn't finished, it was finished in our mind. The word of the Lord says that the purpose and the plan He has for you, the work He begun in you, He will finish it. And you see, you may say, Pastor, I, I am nowhere close to where I need to be. Well, Clint Clint says, you look a lot better in the future than you look right now. But I want you to look at that. Even though the eyes aren't finished, the shirt aren't finished, a lot of details are not finished, we, he was still recognizable and still pulled our heart. You may have a lot, let's just say Galatians 5, you may have a lot of the fruit of the Spirit missing in your life. You want to talk about pain? How many know it's pain to learn to live patiently and long-suffering? How many know sometimes it can be painful to be lovingly and forgivingly? How many know sometimes it's painful to go that second mile? So you say, oh my God, I don't have all the fruit of the Spirit in my life. But listen. We, we probably look like that. Some of us may look worse. I know I do. And some may look a little better. But he always recognizes us. And when he sees you, he goes, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And we go, God, don't look at me. He says, no, no, I want to look at you. Because I see the finished product. And that's my boy. That's my girl. That's the one I gave my life for. That's the one I spilled my blood for. That's the one that I love. But God, I am so imperfect. He says, look, you can't fix yourself like you can't fix your mate. And I ain't nagging you. I'm going to lovingly draw you. I'm, I'm patient. I'm loving. And I'm long-suffering. And you see the unfinished. But I already see the finished. Because I see your heart. You see your thoughts. You see the things you do. I see your heart. Even though you say, Lord, don't look at me. He says, I have to. Because I have you tattooed in the palm of my hand. And I can't erase you. You can walk to the very tip of the fingers and go, I need to go. But there are strings attached to you that you can jump, but it's a bungee cord. You'll be right back. (laughs) Who wants to go away from the presence of God? He's going to finish what He started in you. Amen? And so... uh, 
what he started, he's going to finish. And, and you know all those scriptures. And, and I was going to share with you in Proverbs 5. You can uh, look at this later. Proverbs 3, I'm sorry. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, trust the Lord with all your heart, the seat of your emotions. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, that's where the change goes. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Verse 7 says, Be not wise in thine own eyes, for the, fear the Lord and depart from evil. Change your ways. Psalms 15.4 says, He swears to his own hurt and does not change. Proverbs 3.5 says, Acknowledge. You know, you know what? Acknowledge doesn't mean, Hey, what's up? We do that with friends, but with God, acknowledge means intimate time. Spent with Him, Lord, what is your will? What do you want to have to do in my life? Where do I need to change? Second Kings 6.17, Elisha prayed that the servant's eyes would be open so he could see uh, uh, what was around him. When you get in, it's funny how when you get in a trial or tribulation or someplace rough, it's when you start get doing heart searching and you start being willing to change then. Ephesians 1, 17-23, May the God of peace open your eyes that you may be able to receive revelation. How many want to receive more revelation of how we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do? I was telling you about Philippians 1, 6, For I'm confident of this very thing, that He, he who begun a good work... Say good work. You're, you're not a bad work. He didn't start a bad work in you. He who begun a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Colossians 3, 9 through 10. Do not lie to one another since the, you laid aside the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. Say new self. Who's being renewed. Hallelujah. We are being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created us. How many know you're not a bad piece of art? That wasn't a bad piece of art. Even though it's not finished, it's still art. Because that's still our boy. Amen. Where are you, Brand? Stand up, buddy. There he is. Now that's a work of art. I made that. You did too. Now let me tell you about the process of change. This is a study taken. Couldn't have did it without you, babe. 50% of the population, this is their response to change. Oh, no way. 25, no, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 56% of the world's population to change is, uh-uh, ain't doing that. 25% is no way. 10% say, sounds like fun. And 9% says, let's go for it. How many want to be part of that 9%? And how many wants to be a church that we're the, over the 50%. That says, let's go for it. I was pulling out all the old messages on vision when we were at the other little churches that as we've been growing. And I have this one, it's all yellow. And I said, I want to have a special platform in the, in a, and I want to have a special youth room. And I want to have special lighting. And, and we, even before we bought the land, we want a, a circle driveway with a water fountain and we want flags. We had this written when we were on military highway. When we were on military highway with less than 40 people, we went and got some pipes, put some flags and stuck them in the ground. And this month we went up three more ministries. Luingo to Jerusalem is one of them. We went up three more ministries. We're 16, 17, 18, 19 ministries. We're at 18, 19 ministries right now we're supporting because when they start talking, times are tough. And this is going up. 
that provokes my faith to say, well, I'm going up in my giving. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach the nations no matter what they say. I'm going to buy faith. We're going to take money. And you say, well, we could use it in the church. Yeah, we can. But you know what? This church has been so blessed because we do give to the nations and we do give to the world. Now, quickly, i got, I got, I got to finish this. Don't ever stop desiring change. And I've got some things in your bulletin, so I won't go over them, but you can later. But let me just tell you real quickly. First of all, realize that change is a process. God's process. Change is a process. God's process. I, I have been saved since 1969. I have tried to change me in so many ways. The only lasting change is the change that God does. I give Him an open door. He does the change. But it's a process. Secondly, recognize that God is calling you to change. That means you've got to be willing to be obedient to change. Receive input. Read books on change. Read books on the fruit of the Spirit. Read books on love. Whatever you've been having trouble changing in, get some input. That's the only way you're going to be able to change His wisdom is the multitude of counselors. Talk to leaders and staff. Develop strategies, clear strategies on how I can make changes. I, I, you may need to break your computer. You need to break your TV. You may need to do a lot of things. Don't break your husband, but you may need to do some things. Next, be willing to change. Jesus said, Thy will be done in my life on earth as it is in heaven. Be willing to change. Recognize that there is pain to change. Some areas I'm going to have to sacrifice in. Count the cost. See the value in change. You know what? I'll go ahead and change. And I'll be glad I did because I was glad the last time I changed. And believe the best. Come on, church. Stop being so negative that, well, you know, I'm just like my mama or my daddy or, you know, I'll never change. Stop saying that. From this day forward, get these four or five CDs from this day forward. Don't you ever go around saying again, I'll never change. He'll never change. They'll never change. We'll never change. Get out of the negative. Get into change. Look, Israel was redeemed and they got to change from slavery to freedom. But they didn't change enough to get into the promise. They died because they didn't do the shift. We're going to do the shift. Amen. And so we see here we've got to uh, be willing to change. And what we have to do now, start the change process. So let's stand up.